Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. Tyler is back. Tyler is back. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tyler. (laughs) Uh, My name is Zach. Today we begin our long 26-episode journey through Gundam Reconquista in G. I feel like this is going to be a lot longer than Build Fighters, just like (laughs) in terms of mental space that it takes up. This series is infamous for being difficult to understand, kind of a mess, and bad. Uh, (laughs) I talked about that in our wrap-up episode, though, so we can talk about the potential light at the end of the tunnel, which is that it does have some positive reviews. (laughs) Some people really like Bellary and how positive he is. I don't think that's going to apply to us, but that is one of the positive things I've seen about the series. Jeremy, you've known me for a long time. You know how much of an optimist I am. Yeah. The thing is, I am actually an eternal optimist, but already Bellry is annoying to me after this one episode. So. Can you imagine how it feels to me, an eternal pessimist? <laughs> well, I call it a realist, but we all know that that just means a pessimist who is, you know, not admitted it. My, my real problem, not to get into the episode a whole, too much, is more that Bellry seems like a grinning idiot to me, more than an optimist. So. He felt like kind of a know-it-all, like in, that annoying know-it-all kid who always reminds the teacher about the homework. Yeah, weirdly, I, I was okay with that aspect of him. That gives him su- some sort of personality, but the entire rest of the time, he's just smiling and doing things with no explanation. Uh, In that interview with Tomino I read on the recap episode of Build Fighters, he went on to say that he wished he'd done a better job because the people he wanted to see it, the people in the cabinet who work with nuclear energy, almost certainly would not because it was bad. (laughs) (laughs) And he regrets that. A lot of the Japanese audience did positively review it because of its criticisms of nuclear energy. I've also seen it as a story that has criticism of stories and warning of the danger of them. And as a big Grant Morrison fan, I'm all about that. Yeah, that is extremely meta. Interesting. So those are things that maybe will save us from this NG. And also, according to Tomino, starting episode 19, the show gets way better. So (laughs) only 18 to go after this, guys. We all watched this before we recorded that episode, though. So I want to say, what were your guys' first impressions of Reconquista NG? Visually, I... Okay, let me distinguish this. The storyboard, probably fine. Interesting, because also, I didn't uh, read this part of the interview, but Tomino says he feels a lot of the problem with the storyboarding was not up to the par that the animators were up to. Yeah, I was going to say, the animation is great. Um, I I think visually it looks very nice. The actual things that are happening are confusing, and there's no clear direction, and um, the characters are, I don't know, I I, I feel like they just don't do thing it feels very 80s actually like characters just spring into action with no like force behind them and suddenly they are there doing things hold that 80s thought i do want to come back to it but i also want to talk about the animation because that's something zach brought up on the drive over here the animation for this one threw me because it doesn't it feels very different from every other series it it super does yes jeremy referred to it as like the most disney as like animation style but it felt just more to me like there, there's a lot more exaggeration in the characters here than there are in the other ones, right? Yeah, which makes it feel like cartoonier than a lot of other Gundam series. Okay, so it wasn't just me that had that feeling. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to say, like, it, I think Disney's not a bad comparison because it does feel like a pre-Little Mermaid Disney movie to me. The characters have very exaggerated, like, like I'm trying to think how to even describe it. Like, they would... Sh- 
if they were shrugging, they would shrug like huge shrugs that are very slow, but... um. So I agree it's very different than Double O or Gundam Seed or the stuff we've been watching recently. But going back to 80s, I don't feel like it's that different from Mobile Suit Gundam. No, and it reminded me almost like the very first note I took down was 80s flashback because even the intro, I'm like, oh, this feels exactly like Mobile Suit Gundam to me. And Tomino has said maybe one of the problems with this is that he wanted to keep all his friends who were aging out of the animation business employed. And so you have a lot of older animators working on this. And I wonder if that's why it feels this way. I mean, noble idea, but at the same time, like, maybe it's a good idea to put them in management. I don't know. Um, it's hard to say, though. Like, I can say that from here, but I don't know exactly what they were doing. Well, and it, like, I'm interested to see how that, like, plays into the rest of the show. Like, this is episode one. I have no idea what themes it's going to try to establish or, like, what the actual plot is. I, I'm interested to see how the kind of more cartoony style feeds into the feel of the show overall. Um, especially, like, because we just did a wrap-up. I'm, like, future imagining us doing a wrap-up of this episode and wondering how those all going to tie together. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say one of the themes in this series is probably going to be War is Bad. Uh, and Wow Cool Robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no lesbians yet. We're, we're nine years away from lesbian technology. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, what were your impressions of the first episode? Uh, the animation style jumped out at me. Some of the other parts that, you know, just kind of randomly jumped out at me is the weird, like, space train thing. I, I'm not a huge fan of Bellry. The cheerleader just kind of cropping up through me for a loop. It um, does come out of nowhere. It feels almost like the beginning of a Ghibli film, I think. Yeah, it felt like, I think that might be why I said Disney. It might be more Ghibli than Disney, but those are very equal in my head. I mean, I somewhat, I enjoyed the ride here. Like, that's really all I can think of, but I can't point to a direct thing that's like, yes, this is exactly why, because there's so much here going on that still has yet to actually be established, because they mention, like, there's several capital nouns like capital guard capital army who the hell are these oh these are pirates but pirates don't use mobile suits but apparently they're well-known pirates they have mobile suits so why is this a question because everyone on this ship is extremely poorly informed (laughs) (laughs) what is going on so i mean all i got is that they're on a space elevator and we have cool space elevators and they cause minofsky particles so I will say that this episode was originally aired with the second episode. It was originally a two-part premiere, and I think it was intended to be watched together. A lot of people have speculated that's why he doesn't really get into the mobile suit till the end, though also Gundam Seed Kira does not get into the mobile suit till the end. So I don't necessarily think that's actually a problem with the episode, but I do think some of its slower pacedness could be attributed to that. That said, I don't think any of our problem is the slow pace of the episode, no. right? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, I was to say, for as many problems as the episode has, I think I liked it. Like, like be- between liking it and disliking it, I think I am slightly on the positive side of neutral. I mean, comparing it a little bit to Gundam Seed's first episode, there's a lot of question marks in Gundam Seed's first episode. Like, the conflict is all est- is somewhat established but there's a lot of proper nouns that haven't been quite but we know where we stand well it's not gundam double o's first episode that's entirely proper nouns right no and the problem is like like i said it's closer to gundam seeds first episode where there's a lot of proper nouns but they don't really give you any context for any of the proper nouns where gundam seed kind of does i i'm okay with the lack of context like i mean star wars does a lot of stuff with no context and that is a fine story right um, it depends on what becomes relevant and what doesn't. 
Yeah, I feel like what the real problem is, is there's nothing to anchor on here to. Whereas why Gundam Seed doesn't give you a lot of context, it does give you Kira Yamato, this student, and oh man, this guy after, and he knows him. And like, there's immediate conflict there. And so it doesn't so much matter that you don't know what a coordinator is. Or why exactly this war is going on, or why this war is not here. And this throws a lot at you, but there's like nothing to latch onto, I feel. Yeah, but like even ostensibly our focal character, I think, is supposed to be Bowery, question yes, mark. Correct. Like, but you weren't sure. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it that's... also pogo's between him and Manny a lot. Who is Manny? It's the girl whose name I couldn't remember on the way down here. It's the Do they ever say it? They do. Anything else you guys want to say before we get into it? No, um, like I, like I mentioned um, on our recap of Build Hunters episode, I'm actually very excited for this show, but mostly because I think it's going to be a train wreck. <laughs> so, I think this is just going to be fun. I think the last thing I will say about this series before we begin is it is the first and so far only Gundam series to air in a late night time slot. Interesting. So in theory, this is the most targeted ad- adults of any Gundam series. Other than the uh, 08MS Team Pure OVA stuff, of stuff that aired on television. Huh. Interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll have to see if I agree with that assessment well, at no, the end it, of this. But... In terms of marketing and target. Yeah, Not yeah. in terms of creative energy, necessarily. Uh, so we begin with the opening scene. I don't like this opening scene. I, th- I thought it was fine. My very first note is, like, major 80s energy and, like, the mobile suit flying at the scene and then freeze-framing for the title to pop over it. And then, oh, just, like... I'm kind of on Jeremy's side here. <laughs> the helmet is kind of wild to me, but this opening weirdly reminds me a lot of the turn A opening. And I'm same director. I don't really. I think the turn A one is much stronger. I, all the random action shots we get in the beginning of this feel like they're just like random. And most of the other shots are just like panning shots over stuff. I don't much care for the song. I don't think it's bad, but it's like just kind of gentle and upbeat, and it doesn't get you excited for the show, in my opinion. But the sequences remind me of a 90s cartoon, not an anime. They look like they're all shots taken from episodes to save money, and that's not what I want from an opening sequence. They also don't really go with the song at all. I I think that's what made me think it felt very 80s, is because like a lot of 80s anime felt that way to me. We know at least one of these shots did come straight from an episode because it came straight from this episode. That the hair thing? That did, but I was specifically talking about the cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. So we start in medias res with a Gundam falling into the atmosphere. What are those? those the ones with the circular heads look a lot like the... Uh, actually, they might straight up be Rommel's Red Beret. I, I was wondering. I know that comes from this series, so it may be. Anyway, they are chasing this falling Gundam. It's a Gundam. <laughs> it's also glowing. Like, it looks like a Gundam. It, the only thing that's weird about it is that it has two horns instead of the usual one. It also shoots off a jetpack um, while it's trying to escape. But then it gets electrocuted by the dome head mobile suit. And a and girl the, flies out in a squirrel suit. And the pilot bails out <laughs> in, like, the stratosphere <laughs> in a flying squirrel suit. So, one of the other characters whose name I did learn and have forgot... He's on the ship later, right? Yes. Yes, he is. It's not Delling, because that's a character from Witch from Mercury, <laughs> but it's something similar. He catches Squirrel Girl because he's like, hey, there's not enough air up here for this to be safe. <laughs> and then they all fly away. Well, one of them goes and like grabs, grabs the backpack. For the backpack while the other guys run off after the mobile suit. 
And then we get a shot of its face for some reason. Very bug-like in the eyes and mouth. And then we get the title, which, by the way, is episode one, The Mysterious Mobile Suit. You can watch along in the past on TBS in Japan. <laughs> or off the back of an internet truck. Or, or buy the buy Blu-rays. Yep. Which I cannot recommend, but I did. Uh, anyway, now we cut to the church, church from Final Fantasy X, which is... I, I did legitimately not understand what the point of this was. I'm, show there's religion in the world? They also mentioned a sacred taboo, and I wonder if that becomes relevant later, but People I don't can know. about their lives in eternal tranquility. Well, this is just like normal preaching stuff, right? Of like, hey, give yourself to God. We have to say heaven because, you know, ratings and stuff, but... And then we cut to Golden Lollipop Land. <laughs> it's just this insanely garishly colorful city. Which I actually kind of love. You uh, know, I feel like if someone else was present, they'd have a line for what these trains look like. But uh, so Alex isn't on the podcast. I did. I thought I wrote it down. They're just, it's the anal beat elevator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I missed that in your notes if you did. I wasn't going to say it. I, I did mean to write it down. I'm not sure if I did. But the anal beads launched to space because it's a space elevator. They're going for the nuts. Yep, they are. Um, <laughs> Legitimately going for the nuts. Specifically, at one point, they call out that they undernut, um, which I think is better than overnutting. <laughs> I do not like the design of this, like, because my brain Im immediately went, okay, so what happens if you get hit with a particularly nasty storm on these cables? Uh, I mean, this is how actual space elevators are proposed to be designed. Just straight up cables? Essentially, yeah. Not enclosed in anything? Nope. Count me out. I ain't riding that shit. <laughs> Anyway, class is in session, and they're about to have a practical as members it, of the Capitol Guard. What it, is with the fact that they're, like, having this, like, military class in not even business class? Like, there's just a kid here? I think they are more militia than military. We don't really find out. Anyway, also, why is Sabrina here trying to whip our protagonist? <laughs> this is the same guy from before. It is. Hey, he, he pulls an anti-piccolo and asks why he did dodge. Um, and our protagonist, Bellry, is like, I'm thinking on my feet like you taught me, Cap'n. And the guy yells at him for smiling too much, at which point he just dodges again and goes up and, like, Tom and Jerry's into the guy. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, he runs over and just, like, smiles at the captain. Uh, we, we were talking about how cartoony this is by comparison to a lot of other Gundam shows. And, like, this is the first scene where, like, it feels very, like, Saturday morning cartoon to me. And then the first, it's not phrased as, as you know, but it's its an as you know situation. Yeah, we get some exposition about how Bellry skipped two grades, which is why he's protagonist age and we're all adults. There's weird lightning outside. They have to inspect and equip their backpacks. And here come cheerleaders. Yeah, the DM rolls on the random encounter for the space <laughs> elevator and rolls 2d6 cheerleaders. I, do I don't <laughs> think this is 2d6 cheerleaders, I, I did notice that uh, there's that weird guy in like a German hat carrying like a tray of stuff in the corner and he never shows up again. Why was he there anyway? See, I didn't crock the establishing shot of just some random people in the background. So I was like, how did these cheerleaders get on a military base? I, I think this is just 1d6 cheerleaders, Jeremy. <laughs> well, it could be 2d6 with two bad rolls. That's fair. Anyway, there's a Harobi. It's like a Haro, but more in this series and less good. <laughs> Um, anyway, so the two of them specifically call out to the two characters that have designs. Uh, anyway, the girls are banished for interrupting training. Being from the St. Flower and Academy. And the guys are ordered to go catch them. 
And what is with this scene? <laughs> yeah, like capital guard guys are going to be real aggro about catching these cheerleaders. Like I get these guys in the front who are over eager for shenanigans, but the boss is not so much. Yeah, one guy specifically runs out with his hands up like he's about to grab someone's ass. I'm like, what are you doing, my dude? <laughs> so, so Lewin, who is the other guy with a character design, is like, hey, they're just uh, cheering. There's not a big deal. And, the and another, like, as you know. And his boss is like, have consideration for men without girlfriends. <laughs> you are best student. <laughs> and then someone yells at Bellary for apparently bringing them, despite him not bringing them. Anyway, there's more cheering. And then Bellary is like, run that way so we can't catch you. And they're like, okay, bye. Cheer, cheer, cheer. <laughs> so the guy who caught the girl out of midair is like, cut them off the pass. We need reinforcements. <laughs> Get them. Get those cheerleaders. Who apparently have tickets, by the way. Um, we find out later. I mean, that makes sense because apparently they're just like Zach said, in business class. Oh, there so, is a random guy with like a what? Like they go through a fancy well, party. Now they're in business class. They yeah. were in uh, coach. That's the word I couldn't think of yeah, before. They have chased the cheerleaders in the first class. Also, there's a prisoner on this. Specifically, yep. she's on the bridge. <laughs> Why is she on the bridge? Where the cheerleaders are now hiding. and like, Why hey. is there no guard on the bridge? <laughs> oh, there's this cheer guard here. Um, apparently, there are a lot of sprites today. And we find out that Squirrel Girl's name is Rariah Monday, because that's my fun day. And then some guy comes on and is like, hey, you guys know you're not allowed to cheer them on during training. And then a couple of guys show up and are like, yeah, we're the Capital Army, and apparently this is news. There's also some real-world zoom-ins on <laughs> to the head cheerleader as she's like, Capital Army? I believe this is Manny. What's with that? And so he kicks her, <laughs> which and her cheerleading psychic is like, hey, you kicked her. And then they're like, it's the undernut. It? <laughs> yep, and then we don't get any more of that scene. That scene's over. And they pass through the undernut. <laughs> which apparently isn't counted as part of the other nuts. Yeah, yep. it's not an overnut. <laughs> so now we cut back to class to talk about why this is special. We will not find out why it's special or why this <laughs> matters, but we do get the guy asking about it. There are 144 nuts, and almost everyone in class knows why this is the undernut. And it's because it was actually a satellite that just got linked up to the other things. I don't know why that's relevant. the UC era. So this uh, evidently takes place in the same time frame as the original Gundam, or the same timeline. Or they want us to think that. Or they want us to think that. Anyway, Bellry is a smartass about questions that are asked to him. He does point out that it's a boring question, and the audience really doesn't need to know the answer, and I guess he's right. I do actually kind of like how the instructor's response is, just regurgitate the goddamn textbook, but answer the question. Uh, what a Japanese teacher thing to say. <laughs> anyway, the Earth has an airglow belt which generates energy that the cable absorbs somehow. It's fine. So they are 365 kilometers above the surface right now. And they're, I guess, going to go like move around in mobile suits. That's why they're here. We do get the somewhat important information that Ippy Gundam Yo, Minofsky particles make radar useless. You got to see with your eyes, like a Gundam series. That's so weird that they're having this class just in an open compartment with a bunch of other people. Yeah, I feel like the uh, if they are military, they are not particularly... Like, the military is just not well organized in this universe, maybe because there's no need for one. The pirates don't seem particularly <laughs> hazardous either, so... And uh, we do get a couple, another repeated line of Kuntala, which 
I guess is a thing. I guess that's what cheerleaders are training to be. But I guess that's what a cheerleader evolves into when they get a job. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm not sure if it's like if it's her specifically or if it's all of them. But then one of them responds with like, "They're apparently here on a husband search." They say hi. It's tra- it's the tradition of our school to come mess with some boys who are training to repair space elevators and get married. To- you saw how horny they were. It's easy pickings. <laughs> anyway, they bought a bunch of tickets to be here and stuff. So Manny asks, hey, can you give me some exposition about the difference between the Capitol Guard and the Capitol Army? That seems like it might be useful. And they're like, no, we cannot. We're passing the first <laughs> nut. And they're like, anyway, get off here. And they're like, no, we're good to the second nut. We got more stamina than your average girl. (laughs) This show is filthy. (laughs) The guy that caught Monday here comes back up and is like, she's not reacting to anything. I guess that after all the trouble I went to catching her midair. She did earlier, though. What changed? Because she was talking to the cheerleaders. She gave her name to the cheerleaders. Uh, She also asked them a question about what a sprite was. And they're like, you're not from around here, are you? Anyway, what is this guy's relationship between the Capitol Guard and the Capitol Army? Because he seems to just go freely between them. He seems to also be in charge of these two. Anyway, they are like, she can't be from a proper noun, right? Any of the three proper nouns. And one guy's like, what does it matter? And the other guy's like, well, I'd, I'd never seen this kind of mobile suit before. It was a Gundam. <laughs> that, that is the most, like, dad energy quote, I have to say, like. They, the girls ask him, why can't we cheer for the boys? And he's like, because it's a nuisance. And then they and su- then just waves off the question of what's with the girl. Like, he doesn't even answer it. He's just like, don't bother me. I do kind of love that. Anyway, we get some exposition. Creepy? Yes. Well, we get some creepy lean-ins on these faces and some exposition about how she probably has memory damage because of oxygen deprivation from jumping out of sp- into space in a squirrel suit. Also, he... They do kind of give the uh, that he is a captain, evidently the the guy that caught her in the ca- in the capital army as well. So we cut back to the boys who are getting ready to board their mobile suits, which are rectants for their first practical training. As weird as it is, I kind of like their little like chant at the beginning. Like I could definitely see a group of people doing that. Like, it's weird, yes, but it's no weirder than, you know, you'd see in an NFL huddle. Again, I feel, like, it gives it the feeling of being a Studio Ghibli film, because that's the sort of, like, thing that happens in Ghibli films, is people just, like, get around and cheer. I do have a continuity error that I notice in this scene. Uh, go on. So, Bellry's gonna tether up, and then someone shoves him towards his mobile suit, and then he does not have the tether when the door closes, and there was no shot of him ever taking it off. I think a fun game might be how many continuity errors are in this episode. <laughs> or maybe the game is continuity error or just confusing. <laughs> so anyway, Bellry gets outside, notices a space elevator going down and boards his rectin. Well, I mean, sometimes with like the tether thing, if he's not tethered, it could also be just a situation where they didn't show it because that's not really something you need to show. No, it was just confusing to me that he didn't have it anymore. What confuses me is he climbs into this mobile suit and then effectively takes his helmet off. Yep. Like, my dude, you're still in space. But anyway, Minoski particles start happening, and then there's a colorful elevator, and then there's pirates, and then there's chaos. (laughs) This is where the episode starts being very confusing. And why are all the girls on the bridge again? (laughs) Uh, They wanted to hang out with Miss Monday. Anyway, Valerie's like, what? The rumored space pirates doing space piracy? Oh no, here's a mobile suit that's not a Rectin. Which means they'll probably wreck me. (laughs) 
And then he gets excited for it. Um, Belry's responses to everything are confusing to me. Belry strikes me as one of the, as someone who just gets, like, smiles at everything. Like, that's his default state, is smile at whatever I just saw because it was neat. So the Gundam, which is neat, comes at Belry, and then his mobile suit just kind of shuts down. So it stops coming at him and lands at the top of the elevator and then shoots into random space and casts Summon Eye Catch. <laughs> <laughs> Which Belry dances over. It's familiar, but not too familiar. It's a new craze in the Gundam wave. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Reckon Gisa NG, the show that Tomino made, I assume, to resurrect the feeling of an 80s cartoon, uh, because boy, does this show do exactly that. I'm so excited for us to talk about this train wreck for a while. It's gorgeous and legitimately charming and endearing at some points, and also just an absolute mess in terms of, like, narrative presentation of in a visual medium. I don't know how this got published as, like, a big studio anime. And it's delightful that we have this opportunity to talk about it. So anyway, that's me gushing about the concept of Reckon Gisa and G from a podcasting perspective. Um, is it a good show? We'll leave that up to you, um, but it sure does look nice. I'm sitting here on a delightful Sunday morning, drinking my hashtag non-spawn trade coffee. And I mostly just want to say, hey, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, and thank you all so much for your participation in the Gundam Build Fighters review wrap-up episode. We got a lot of good questions. We got some excellent models posted on the Discord. Just kind of a good time overall. Um, I'm glad everyone liked Build Fighters so much. Um, even if you didn't watch it with us, everyone seems to like the concept of Build Fighters, and we're excited to embark upon a new Gundam journey. I was sitting here trying to rack my brain for some plugs, um, but I think those are going to happen next week when I do some plugs. So for now, let's get back to this absolute zany mess. So all of the dances in the eye catch were choreographed by Tomino's uh, youngest daughter, who is a professional dance choreographer. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's kind of a neat idea. I'm not sure why it's here. Like, this feels really weirdly out of place. No, it feels exactly. <laughs> this, this, this. Yeah, it feels like exactly the eye catch for Rikinista <laughs> in G for good or ill to me. I would agree. There isn't one coming back, though, which is really weird. Um, that's not super uncommon. Anyway, back from the eye catch. And they're ordering all of the students to not do anything because they'll get wrecked. So Miss Monday just starts telling G, G, the letter G. This episode is brought to you by the letter G. <laughs> G Willikers. And Bellary's like, man, what's the point of having a mobile suit if I'm not allowed to do anything with it? Anyway, I'm going to go have a shonen um, fight. Dude, you're a cadet. It makes perfect sense where they would be like, no, you're not allowed to do that. Anyway, over the intercom, someone announces that they've taken the crown, which is apparently the name of the pods. I assumed it was like the, the head of the beads. Like it was I the assume lead one. I assume it's the whole bead section. I, I think it is the whole bead section, yeah. Anyway, she's taken it hostage, and you can tell that to Capitol Tower. Um, I'll let it go in 20 minutes for reasons. And they're like, what if you, we don't listen to you? And she's like, use your imagination. I'm a pirate, Yar. It's, it's uh, like Hitchcock said. It's, it's more damaging than what I could possibly do. So Bell says, I won't sever the cable, or is that Bellary that says I won't sever the cable? No, it's her. So Bellary shoots off his camera, which I do kind of like that they has this like camera on a pod to see stuff, and, and he's then, like, ah, oh, there she is. And it, it, it took me a moment here to realize that 
he sees another rectum going up after it. I thought that was him. No, I got it here, but then I thought he went too. Yeah. And no, he takes a little bit longer. Like, he goes up after the other one gets wrecked. Yes, but it's very difficult to tell that, I feel. While he speculates that welders are like beam rifles, and there's gunpowder for emergency operation. So, like, I could go fight it. And so, like, this cut, it makes it seem... Yeah. Because he says, I could attack it two or okay. three times. And then we cut to a mobile suit just like his going to attack the other one. I didn't a, quite get that he went right away because we'd already seen the other one going up. I assumed that was this one. I can see where the confusion would come from, though. I, I miss that they were called rectins at first, and because of their faces, I called them Simon Says Mark II. Uh, <laughs> I think what we need is a shot of the pilot here or some any sort of dialogue about there being another suit coming up. Anyway, it shoots its welder, but the Gundam has a shield. It then tries to hit it with a pipe. See, then the pilot kicks them. So I'm like, I thought it was like, ah, oh, Bellry is a good pilot. And we know that because it is kicked. <laughs> but this is not Bellry. Uh, and then it, its leg gets shot off. Yeah, I was going to say this is Toridi, I think. Yeah, Toridi. Who was the guy who answered a question earlier. But then one of the cheerleaders says, that's not Toridi, which also made me think, yeah, it's Bellry, right? But it, that's not true. I guess it is Toridi. So why did they say it's not him? Anyway, I think it's a matter of like, that's the guy she has a crush on. So no, it can't be him because ah. otherwise he's in danger. That's me backsplaining it. I think that might be the case because we didn't see her attached to anybody. We only saw Manny and whatever the hell this chick's name is. Yep. But then Squirrel Girl starts having a breakdown over the fact that there is a G, G <laughs> nearby. Anyway, cut back to Bellary, who has not yet gone and is just checking his weapon systems. The big arms. Big arm, big arm. <laughs> we don't negotiate with... Um, Pirates. Yeah. And he grabs, like, a bunch of cable. He's like, anyway, if we all go at her one at a time, one of us is to be sure to beat her eventually. The other guy chucks his melee weapon, which distracts her, but she still manages to rock Bellary's laser. Who <laughs> yells, stop being a pirate? <laughs> And then smashes some rope at her beam saber. And we finally cut to the pilot of the uh, Gundam. And she's like, well, I can hide behind the cable because you won't risk damaging that. Why do the Rectans have combat faces where they're <laughs> they, the they little, get all like, zigzaggy? <laughs> the little heart monitor look to them? <laughs> That's a great question. But Bellroy's like, ah, I will attack you behind the cable because you would never expect it. And then it gets super shiny. And he's like, how will I do this? Like this? And then he does it. Like this? And then wrecks the beam rifle. There are so many shots in this that remove the background, which I feel like just makes the fight harder to follow, even as we're breaking it down. Anyway, the space pirate says, stop being a flat earther. <laughs> <laughs> the world is not square. What the hell does that even mean? It's like, is that, there, is that for our pure and blue world? Because I kind of love that if it is, but... See, this is the problem with none of us having watched ahead. None of us can say, it's like, oh, no, that's a thing. Or if that's just a dumb thing that she says in this one episode. I really hope it's just a dumb thing she says in this one episode. So he loses one of them and goes and, like, grabs onto the, uh, the, the head horns. of the Gundam. But it's apparently fairly durable because she starts punching his mobile suit and it doesn't do anything. And he's like, I'll blow off your head with my welder. Everyone knows the head is the most decorative part of the Gundam. You know, it looks like it has Vulcans. Why don't you use those? But apparently the the mobile suit isn't actually responding properly. And we get its name here for the first time, the G-Self. Which I did realize, I thought that was like some sort of control system she was talking about. Yeah, you thought to. she was talking about the G-Diffuser? Basically, yes. Or like the Zero system or something. Anyway, the cheerleaders are like, ah, oh, only Bell would be that reckless. It's definitely him. 
Anyway, cut to teacher, whose name is Delinson, and we get it for the first time. And he's like, hey, put on your spacesuits. I guess you, a student, Loon Lee, can come with me. It's better than no one. Equip the big arm and power weld. <laughs> I mean, he is their best student, Jeremy. Who else would you bring? It's true. Anyway, cut back to Bellry grappling with the G-Self. And he's like, hey, we got to go back to the crown. If we leave the MMF field, we'll be pulled down into Earth's gravity and burned to death. And she's like, maybe you'll burn to death. I'm in a Gundam. <laughs> but she does go straight back to the crown, apparently. <laughs> the big arms look so dumb. I think they might actually be practical, but they looked very dumb. Anyway, Lewin's like, we've got to fight the pirates because we can't let them keep doing this. This is this is just dumb. And uh, I already have forgotten Delinson. Delinson is like, hey, this is your first time doing any of this, right? And he's like, I've done simulations. And then he adjusts the glasses he doesn't have. <laughs> he's like, I know how to turn the welder into a beam rifle. Even Bellry knows that. And Delinson is like, hey, that's the same model that dropped Rarira. And, and Lewin's <laughs> like, who is that? Who? <laughs> Why did we need that shot? <laughs> anyway, they go into combat yeah, mode. Yeah, the rectums go into combat mode. And the girl pilot's like, I'll use a beam saber. And everyone's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that's a real weapon. So Bellary's like, I'll use Shonen Punch. And then his cord detaches on its own, question mark? That's how he's acting. And he's like, I'll use a punch. <laughs> and the beam saber like turns off. I kind of like what happens. There's a real awkward shot of the Gundam stopping. And then we cut to see that Delinson and Lou and Lee have stopped her after a very cool shot of the G-Self's airbags. I yeah. actually really like That's that That's actually effect. really cool. It's a cool system. But we, we do see that the uh, beam saber flickered, which is probably because they uh, like shorted it out with their things. Anyway, uh, Delinson's like, Hey, we have explosives. Um, we will blow you up. Bellary's like, hey, good job backing me up. As Raraya has escaped her bondage chair to go. Yeah, these are the Gee. worst guards. <laughs> yeah, the cheerleaders are way better guards, it turns out. And I love how he, the one of the guards is like, oh yeah, she's a prisoner. That's why we're guarding her poorly. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we don't know anything about it either. And the cheerleader's like, wow, you really are useless. And, and Raraya's like, Gee. As they're bringing it back why does the g-self raise its free arm as it's i i don't understand any of this anyway they make her dock <laughs> raya's like it's here it's here and they just let her out i guess to well, go she see blends it in with the cheerleaders in her lack of a cheer uniform <laughs> and uh space pirate pilot is crying although it's kind of implied that it's like some sort of withdrawal from the gundam system in just a second because she says, like, disconnecting from it always makes me feel this way. Anyway, she's like, well, at least my allies have probably gotten the battery from that other crown. Actually, she just says, because I get like this sometimes. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Gundam. Uh, yeah, I kind of assumed it was the same thing that happened to Raraya, but I also don't get these don't act so familiar. I like... think it's the pronouns, or the honorifics. Oh, okay, gotcha. And I think he said, also he did say, you know, please dock with the, the thing. Like, he was acting as, like, her friend. And she's like, ah, oh, something was wrong with my Gundam. Bell returns alive. <laughs> um, thanks, Harvey. You're a worse Haro. And then he's like, so the guy who came in is like, the cockpit's on the upper floor. You seem like a main character. You probably need that. Anyway, so are the cheerleaders. Gee! <laughs> uh, yeah, because Raya can see the Gundam through the window, and she gets, like, super... She's like a cat trying to go after a squirrel. And someone is trying to interrogate the pirate pilot as she's like taking off her helmet and ignoring him. You knocked around my precious student that I'm sure had a name. 
And she's and she, like, my aim is precise as she takes off her helmet and her hair explodes out. Man, she's got one of those helmets that just like apparently hides most of her hair. And she's like, a competent pilot would have been able to return. I, and the man, like, like, she's not cute at all. Um, which I think is about to be canonically disproven. Is she just <laughs> jealous? Is that what we're supposed to read? I think so, yes. Uh, because the horror bee immediately reacts weirdly. And so the uh, professor captain dude is like, state your name of <laughs> state your name and rank of this military. Just like, I'm not a military. I'm a pirate. And he's and, like, the pirates don't have mobile suits. And she's like, I'm Ida Ray Hunton, a space pirate. And he's like, you just took two random names and stuck them together. And then slaps her for it. Which apparently shocks everybody. It is a random thing to do. And I mean, he's, like, he's interrogating a pirate. I don't know. And she's like, so many amendments. I can only pick one. <laughs> she's like, I ref- I use my right to refuse. And he's just like, you're a pirate. You don't get those. And Bellary like, it's your fault that war. Like, whose fault? I don't. I- it, it seemed very like unspecific. I wasn't sure if he was talking to the current to the pr- commander, captain, or her. Or, yeah, me neither. I couldn't. T- um. Anyway, Lewin's like, anyway, hey, there's a uh, there's the hatch is shut. And she's like, well, it won't open for anyone but me. I know it's supposed to be because they're in, like, zero G, but, like, her hair is, like, this weird octopus floating yeah. around. She's got some mad Medusa from Marvel Comics uh, going on there. I do like this translation because Bellary says arigate. Um, it's like a truncated arigato, which they translate as thanky. Uh- I, I guess he asks permission to go look at the cockpit. But anyway, as Bellary passes by her, he gets dream weaved by her hair. <laughs> so I think she is, in fact, cute. I think that is the only way we are supposed to read this scene. Anyway, he just walks back and it immediately opens for him with, like, no fanfare. And he's just like, hey, I opened it. And Lewin and her are both like, wait, what? And Mariah is having a stroke. <laughs> a G-stroke. A stroke with a G in it. A stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Rakagnisa in the stroke. <laughs> and they're like, maybe there's some connection between Raya and this unit, you know, the one that she came down in. Huh. Gee, I wonder. So anyway, there's some sort of eye scan in the unit, but it accepts Bellary. And it shows a picture of a bird or something. I don't know. And he's like, oh, these conform to international standards. Hey, um, look, I found a weird, like, bird business card. <laughs> a birdsness card, if you will. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, there must be some meaning since this same pattern showed up in the computer. Anyway, it's probably not important. As Mariah, <laughs> yeah, cut to Mariah being dragged like off. 404 Mariah not found. Anyways, like, oh, but yeah, it's universal pilot's license. I can and fly this. So the captain is like, all right, I guess because uh, we're still on the space practical, <laughs> let me see you uh, move it. I'm not sure if it's that or if it's just like a, hey, let's test this weird bit of technology. Let's see how it moves. I'm not sure which we're supposed to read. I can see it either way. And then he puts up the arms and then we zoom out as the space elevator goes up. I actually do like that ending shot fairly well. Yeah, it's okay, especially if you're going to get a second episode right after. Man, the back half of that episode was confi- like breakneck pace, random shit happening. I had no, it was very hard to follow. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. I, I agree with everything you said, Tyler. <laughs> I would kind of agree with you. Like, I didn't have nearly as hard of a time following the fight as you guys did, evidently. But at the same time, it's. Still confused. It's still got a bunch of confusing bits in it. The weird part for me is like the dialogue seems very disconnected, and like people just seem to be saying and doing. The Earth things. is not square. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if that is just a weird translation thing. I don't think so. I, I think it was just bad storyboarding. 
Yeah, like I said, I, there's just like not really anything to latch onto. Like maybe Raraya, but she's just being a mysterious waif and screaming. There's <laughs> there are cute cheerleaders if that's your thing, I guess. And but, I I I think I might have been wrong. I don't know that we ever actually got Manny's name. I am going to be judging this uh, for MVPs ba- as if it were a Studio Ghibli film. And uh, spoiler, she gets my MVP point for asking all the t- questions and actually doing anything. Bellry was there, I guess. <laughs> Did we want to watch the ending at all? I actually, actually haven't seen it yet because uh, Me neither. the version I have that fell off the back of an internet truck had the two first two episodes jammed together. So it, I didn't have an ending sequence for me to watch yet. So what, maybe we'll talk about that next time. Oh, fair enough. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I don't know why we get to start with you. We're all in equally bad footing now, but <laughs> tradition. What is my high point for this episode? It's kind of rough, isn't it? Yeah, I don't like nothing seemed particularly important. Shit was just happening. There was no that's actually I think really the problem is there's like no dramatic tension. There's no slowdown. I guess it's everyone freaking out over the beam saber was pretty funny to me. Well, I mean, if we had a little bit more in the way of uh, like a knowledgeable like tech base type situation, like is a beam saber such a drastic departure from the technology they already have? Yeah, and I think we're supposed to read it as like, oh, no, that's a real weapon. But she already had a pretty potent gun. Yeah, but so did they. I don't know. And, and like, she wasn't using a weapon in close combat, though. They were able to grapple her and outmaneuver her, and that might change that situation. Like, her gun was not really effective, it seemed, in close quarters. There are lots of reasons they could have reacted that way, and I don't know which one it was. But I did find it funny. So, that's my high point. Zach. This is one of those situations where, like I said, it's kind of tough. When I was watching this the first time, I figured my high, I think my high point actually might be that shot of Bellry, like, using his head and, like, dispatching the camera to get a look at what's going on. It's also just, like, a cool, like, it's cool that they have that, right? Yeah, it's a cool idea, and, you know, showing a character not, especially a shonen character, not just being like shonen power will save the day and I'm just going to go charging and he kind of does that anyway. But he uses that to get a look beforehand. So good on you for that. I like that. I, I liked that aspect. Then he accidentally coordinates with a person who chucks a pipe at her. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Araya at the very beginning bailing out in the squirrel suit. I really like the animation of that. I just think squirrel suits are cool. And I like the idea that she tried to bail too early and that's like, why she's just being a mysterious and useless. That actually makes a lot of sense. I kind of spaced that part out. But yes, it is animated very, very well. Tyler, do you have a low point? I think it's the entire sequence after, I, I already forgot her name, Ray Hunton, um, whatever she said her first name was. Ida Ray Hunton. Was it Ida? Takes off her helmet. Everything that happens after that is a random jumbled mess. So just all of that. Yeah, I agree. Zach? Uh, I think I'm going to give it to the fight because it is kind of like i had less of a problem following it than you guys like i said but it does still have a lot of those muddy water problems yeah the action's just not very clear and like i i think if they had just chosen to draw it from a slightly more zoomed out perspective or had backgrounds or stop flashing into the characters with absolutely nothing behind them i think it's a skill that's like more difficult then we give it credit for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, like, this episode, I think, shows a lot of that because there's so much establishing shot stuff they could have do, so much continuity of motion stuff that they just fail to perform on. I think I'm going to go with the cheerleaders bursting in because it's so (laughs) random and, like, 
Oh, no, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with the church scene at the beginning. Will that oh, be totally right. important later? Maybe. Maybe that'll be relevant, but I don't know. I mean, the reason why I... I the cheerleaders bursting in was one that sprang to mind immediately, but I had to discount it because it is... While it is very random, it is also a way... Like, they're using it as a way to kind of establish a couple of character relationships. And also and, kind of like uh, the dynamic on the ships. And, and establish those characters as existing. It more of made me question... Why exactly is this ostensibly military exercise just in coach? <laughs> All right. Before we do MVPs, there's a point of order, which is Zach, you lied to us. The cheerleader's name is not Manny. Did I get him mixed up with somebody else? Yeah. Manny Ambassador is the black-haired <laughs> cheerleader who is her sidekick. Do you want to guess the pink-haired cheerleader who you've been calling Manny's real name? I will say it is the most Star Wars-ass name I have ever seen. Oh, no. They kept calling her, like, Kantaku or something. They called her Kantala, but that's not her name, I it don't is not. think. Okay. Um, I got nothing, because I legitimately thought it was Manny. Um, Akash Mirda. Noredo Nug. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no, you're right. That's a pretty Star Wars name. No, that's right. Name. It's Noredo. That's, that's who that is. So, Tyler, who is your MVP? It's Noredo for being the best Studio Ghibli character in this Studio Ghibli film that we just watched. She asks all the questions. She drives most of the action. I think... I'm probably. Hmm. I think I'm going to give it to Bell. As I mean, he does actually is, do he does stuff. Most of it, even if the action is a little confusing, he does the Gundam protagonist thing. See, the difference is you're watching a Gundam show and I'm watching it like a Studio Ghibli film. <laughs> I think I will also give it to Bell. Part of me wants to give it to like Lewin and Delarin for I actually know. doing a plan. Yeah, but no, I'm. Um, Delin, I think it's Delinson. Delinson. But I, no. I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't stick around for very long before I start calling him Dalinar for some reason. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to do that. Thing is, like, I could definitely see Naredo because she's doing all of like the here's where the mystery starts questions. He is on the list of characters in Gundam uh, Reconquista and G, so probably going to show up for a while. But he is below Manny, so. So he's at least on the space elevator arc, um, which I'm calling the first five episodes is going to be space elevator. I don't know. I I think this is probably the the weakest first episode we've watched so far. I yes, I think so. I'm conflicted on like what I even think about this series from this first episode. I think the art is gorgeous. It's a shame none of it conveys anything. What Tomino said is that he was felt like the storyboard let down the animators. And that, like, his action sequences were not up to the snuff of the creative powers of the animators. Yeah, because they were knocking it out of the park. Um, it looks gorgeous. I, I, I like the cartoony art style. Like, like I said, it feels like a Studio Ghibli film, and I kind of like that. As I'm, I'm interested to see if that plays into the themes of the movie at all. Or the movie, the show, <laughs> at all. It's not a movie, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's one hell of a long Ghibli movie. Uh <laughs> I'm not sure after this one, if we weren't doing it for the podcast and I didn't drop 50 bucks to buy it, I'm not sure I would actually go out of my way to watch an episode after this. Like, I wouldn't seek it out. I am very excited to watch the rest of this show because I have no idea what the hell anything was. But I am very interested to see what happens next at this point, especially after talking to you guys a little bit about it. Like... I am very curious to see what happens next. Yeah, like I, I think I agree I would not watch this on my own, but I am very glad we're doing a podcast on it. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I've just there's nothing I'm connected to. I feel like I'll forget all of these characters' names the moment we stop recording. And like all of the proper nouns mean nothing to me. In the first episode of Gundam Seed, I at least know what Heliopolis is, right? Yeah, because you were there. Yeah. Well and you know, they 
as I said before, they kind of do a better job of establishing the wider world just by... Just the conflict, not really the world, but that's something. Well, the thing is, like, that's the important part of the world at the moment, at the beginning of the conflict. Because we also establish that, for instance, the place we start, Heliopolis, isn't directly involved. And we get that from kind of introducing... Um, why am I drawing a blank on the on uh, Maru's second-in-command? Natarol. Yeah, when Natarol is introduced, like because she gets the car in front of Kira and the others, and like she makes a remark about that and how basically they're in neutral territory. It's small remarks like that. And we also get the fact that you know Sai, Kira, and all them, their dynamic that's established pretty early on, and they don't spend a whole lot of time in that episode on it. And we don't get a lot of as you knows like we do in this, where you would have probably seen an as you know from this series. You know, as you know, Kira, you work, you're working for the prof- this professor over here doing this. It's just, hey, the professor needs you. Okay, I have established he works for this professor. What does he do? It, exactly what he does isn't really relevant. He works for the guy. Uh, so as you know, we none of us have seen this show before, so I don't know when to say, hey, we should add this to the list. So do we want to add the rectum to the mobile suit list, or do we want to wait and see if it shows up to show more exciting capabilities? More bigger arms. <laughs> I say we should wait an episode or two and see if it does anything else. Conversely, I think we've probably seen everything Erecton's going to do, so I could go either way. Actually, no, because we've seen what looks like a actual mobile suit. I think the Erecton's probably like a ball, like a trainer or a... It, it's or like a, a maintenance suit. For yeah, the... I think it's for construction slash maintenance. Okay, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. We can probably put it on there. We can always reestablish later if it does something interesting. So I kind of like the Erecton, but I hate its face. I agree, but I hate it in such a way that I also kind of love it. So. I kind of just don't really care I, for it one way or the other. I think the comparison point to me is the Amph. Huh. I think uh, I prefer I, the Amph. I prefer the Amph. Better or worse than the Gundam Altron Gian? <laughs> Our favorite. <laughs> I think I prefer the Altron Gian. The Recton, especially the face, like... What is even in this thing? Why, why like, does what it is get angry thing? eyes? I why does it get, like, the heart monitor? Um, I, I think I agree. I prefer the Ultron GN just because it's over the top. Okay, so comparing the dumb things we don't really like, how do we think it compares to the Trilobite? That's the underwater mobile armor from Doublelot? Yeah, that, that does, like, the... It tries to stab real I good. I think I prefer the Trilobite, honestly. It feels like it has more of a place... But, I mean, that also could be a situation where, you know, we've seen more of du- of Dublot at the time than one episode here. I'm a fan of worker suits, so I, th- I think I'm going to have to give it to the Recton. I also think the Recton's a little better than the Trilobite, although I don't love what we now have to compare it to. How do we think it compares to the Sasana Sa- Woe? <laughs> is that the Beam Katanas? <laughs> it is. I think I have remember, to get... Remember, Zach, make... Whenever you're thinking of this, put the plank of wood in the pilot seat to just compare the mobile suits. I think I prefer the Sasanowo. I think I also agree. I, I, that's actually kind of a large jump. Better or worse than the Ahead, which is the ALOS, like, the sort is, of ace suit. The Ahead is very bland, which is why it's so far down here. But yet, I think I still prefer it to this thing. And I think just for counterpoint, I actually prefer the Recton, but... I think I do, too, just because, like, the Recton, like, you say it, and I, it comes to mind right away. I know we just watched it. But it's like, oh, yeah, that construction suit. It's got unique things going on. The head is just like, oh, yeah, I guess 
some guys had that. You know, that's a good point because even as I said, I think I prefer the ahead. I'm having a really hard time actually drawing up an image of the ahead from my brain. Uh, so the rectum goes at 133 above the ahead and below the Sasanowo. Simon says, rank this mobile suit. <laughs> and that will do it for this, the first episode of Gundam Reconquista NG. Any final thoughts, guys? This is an interesting start. I am interested to see where Castle in the Sky comes in. What about the moving castle? I don't know. It, it, this doesn't feel. It's not dark enough to be Howl. Which side do you think Howley is on? Howley. Where does Lupin the Third show up? <laughs> Where's Princess Mononoke? The woods. Well, yeah, I was gonna say she's she's uh, not featured in this movie because it's too high tech. I've never once seen a Ghibli film. Man, we should drag him to Kiki's sometime. That seems like a surprisingly Zach film. Yeah, I was gonna say Kiki's is pretty good. Um, I it's also like the most the grounded. Movie, I feel like some of the movies that I've actually watched might be like inspired by those. Y- yes, like I your, can your name and weathering are. with you. Yeah, weathering with you especially. Almost every Studio Ghibli film is at least good. I think there, uh, there are Totoro a couple... is so overrated, but I'm not a huge fan of Totoro. Um, when Marnie and, was and, there, is not I, great. And I haven't actually seen The Cat Returns, which I bet is also not great. It's I have a soft spot for that movie, but I agree it's not great. So so. In short, after one episode of Reconista and G, watch Ghibli movies? Yes. Yeah, watch Ponyo. <laughs> but we will be back next time, not with a Ghibli movie, but with episode two, G-Self Startup. That sure is a title. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I have an outro for this. Um, G! <laughs> G!